Hello everyone, this is Rev Brad on the Soccer Chaplains United podcast from the Touchline. Today's podcast is part of our Lesson from Lasso series, so if you're short on time, when you hear that Ted Lasso theme song, you can skip ahead a minute and get right into the pod. Apple TV's Ted Lasso show has been very popular, and a lot of what we see on the screen gives a glimpse of life at a football club. Being around a professional team for some 25 years, I thought I would offer a chaplain's perspective on some of what we see in each episode. There are some great lessons to be learned, whether you're a person of faith or not. You might be an athlete, a coach, or simply a fan of the beautiful game. I think you're going to find a lot of clever and creative wisdom in this series. Thanks for joining us today. Here we go with another lesson from Ted Lasso. He's found the space, and he's found the back of the net. Just a little off foot, thinking he's going to go far post. Not strong enough with his right hand. Whips that one in. Far post, almost made him in, and they have. He has the hat trick. The second in his career. The third of the night. The hat trick hero. Talked about you're not going to be able to sustain that kind of pressure. To the corner. Goes towards the near post. And you're the angle. And what a goal. What a goal. Lesson 43 in our Lesson from Lasso series. And our new favorite person, Danny Rojas, has gone down with an injury. We come to find out that the team, staff, and players alike believe that the treatment room is cursed because of the ghosts of the past from a dark history with the club. Today's lesson, let's dive a little bit into the superstition that surrounds football especially and sports in general. If you're at all a fan of the beautiful game, you're likely aware of the different superstitions that exist around the game and that athletes and others carry with them, and the ways in which they combat or fight, quote-unquote, these superstitions and ghosts. A few examples come to my mind. You know, for example, stepping on the painted lines as you enter the pitch. That's a big no-no. Or making a sign of the cross before coming on as a substitute. Putting on your shorts, shin guards, socks, and boots in a particular way. Left foot first or right foot first. Showering before the match, huddling for a pre-match prayer, saying incantations over the goal frame to make sure that there's some voodoo curse or you're removing a voodoo curse from what's, uh, what the other team might have put on there hopping and skipping onto the field if you're part of the starting lineup, and there's tons of others. Probably you have some better examples than I do. And now hear me. Not all of these things are done from a place of superstition. Legitimately, some athletes and coaches have developed habits, rhythms, rituals that help them get into a game mentality or feel emotionally ready for the task ahead, or or they feel that it sharpens them and sharpens their football. So I want to make a clear distinction, but there are moments in football when superstition gets the better of our minds and mentalities, and we capitulate to some of these little things, even for me as a chaplain. You know, there's days and times when I am looking to wear that dress shirt or tie, and I'm I'm in the closet, I'm selecting something, and I'm cognizant and aware, you know, what's the opposing team's colors? You know, maybe I shouldn't wear those things, not because I'm superstitious, but because I know that others are. Well, I've shared on other podcasts that growing up as a Denver Bronco fan as a kid, uh, that's an NFL American football team for those of you that don't know, I would usually be in church on Super Bowl Sunday nights. I remember anxiously telling myself before the church service started, now, Brad, don't think about the Broncos during church, otherwise God will be angry and the Broncos will lose. And then all during church. With the songs being sung and the message being shared and people greeting and smiling, I would tightly clench my eyes and say to myself over and over again, don't think about the Broncos. Don't think about the Broncos. Don't think about the Broncos. 
Well, imagine my chagrin when finishing church service and rushing to the youth room where the church was putting the game on finally, turning it on only to find out the Broncos were being blown out by the 49ers 55 to 10 for their third Super Bowl loss in the past four years. Well, those were tough years, let me tell you, especially being a a Bronco fan at church and everybody kind of laughing at me, and I knew that I had spoiled it for the team. And the fact is, too, that in the years where the Broncos have won and I haven't been at a church service because I was at home or watching with friends and the Broncos won those games, well, that hasn't helped the superstition at all. But what do we do with superstition? What do we do when we believe that someone or something is cursed? How do we, quote unquote, reverse the curse? Do we stand around the trash bin and burn things of significance to ward off evil spirits like our fearless coach Lasso? Well, ritual can be good and helpful, but in the case of curse, I think a better answer comes to us from the psalmist David. He writes in Psalm 109, this treatise, a cry out to God because of the way he's been falsely accused and cursed. And when we come to verse 28, David writes this, they may curse but you will bless. The hope for the people of God isn't in their own power or ability to fight off curses and evil spirits, but rather in God's divine intervention to turn the curse into a blessing. Scholars hold that a curse can be annulled by a stronger word of divine blessing, i.e. God can trump a word of curse with just a simple word of blessing. There's an interesting story in the book of Numbers. The king of Moab hears about the migration of Israel from Egypt. He comes to know that the people are likely too powerful and they are afraid and hostile toward the Israelites. So they summon a pagan priest to curse the Israelites so that they can be conquered in battle. Balaam, maybe you've heard of Balaam's donkey, is summoned to place a curse on the people, but he cannot. The curse becomes a blessing because God's favor is with his people. My friends, you might feel that you're football club is cursed, or that a part of the football club is cursed. Let me encourage you that a divine blessing, a divine word from God is the best and likely the only way to reverse the curse. Well, thanks for listening to this lesson from Ted Lasso. This is Reb Brad coming to you from the Touchline.